Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Dr. Lauren Noel, aka Dr. Lowe, who's got her own great podcast as well on health. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, you have a couple of websites. One is drlaurennoel.com, where everyone can download a free Wired But Tired uh, guide, which I really like. It's a free guide. Um, and the subtitle is How to Quit Letting Your Day Drag You Down and Have Energy Like a Kid Again, which I think is a great subtitle. <laughs> um, and then also your your natural naturopathic doctor practice, uh, where you also share uh, with another team of uh, professionals is shinenaturalmedicine.com in San Diego. So if anyone's interested, uh, both of those websites, and we will mention them again, you have a wealth of experience uh, with regards to, you know, detox and hormones and hormone balancing and all these problems that people come into your office with. But before we start, how did you make the decision or go down the path of becoming a naturopathic doctor versus an MD or versus a chiropractor? I mean, what led you and interest you in becoming an ND? It's a great question. I actually had never, I never had an intention to become a doctor myself. I had my own kind of up and down crazy health journey myself. Rewind back to high school and maybe even before that, I was having all kinds of digestive issues. I remember having a lot of constipation as a child and having chronic strep throat. I mean, at one point I was getting strep throat maybe once a month. It was so common. And, you know, my mom, she wanted me to feel better. And all she knew was, you know, take me to the doctor and we go to our Kaiser doctor and I would get written another prescription for an antibiotic. And I was on so many antibiotics. I just joke with my patients and say, I ate ate them like candy when I was a kid, because it was just pretty much all we knew what to do. And you know, and I just never really got answers. I remember going to doctors and, you know, having to rush through my questions with a 10 minute visit, uh, if I was lucky sometimes. And then at, at one point, once I hit high school time, I started getting pretty bad acne. It was all over my face and I was really embarrassed about it. We'll go to my dermatologist and they would write me a prescription for Accutane. And we know about the effects of Accutane now of how hard they are on the gut, on the liver. I had to legally be put on birth control pills, even though I wasn't sexually active, because if I were to get pregnant, there's a good chance that I would have had a baby born with birth defects. That's how hard this medication is on your body. And so, and they had to check liver enzymes every month because of how hard it is on the liver. Because it's very, it's very high vitamin A, yes. right? And that's why. So really high doses of vitamin A and anyone should sort of be concerned about that because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to take this sun chlorella and then I'll take this multivitamin and I'll take this. And by the end of the day, they're loading up with too much vitamin A and that could even affect their liver enzymes. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look out for. So Accutane, I mean... Despite its perils, 
I have seen it really work and help a lot of people oh, yeah. with cystic acne. So, so did it prevail for you, at least in that sense? It didn't even work. That's the bummer. No, it didn't damn even it. work. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> right? Bummer. All this work. And a it didn't waste even... of liver trouble. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It didn't do much for my skin. If anything, I, I was just dry everywhere. My ears were peeling. My, you know, my lips were peeling. And I just I felt more depressed. It really affected my mood in a big way. And now we're seeing that there's a link with Accutane and, and depression. So... So long story short, I, I ended up going to a dermatologist and asking, is there anything that I can eat that would help my skin? And he said, there's no connection with your diet and with your skin. And I just knew in that moment. I hope he's not practicing medicine anymore. <laughs> I wish so bad I could find that doctor and have a conversation. Just ask, do you still think that? Is that really what you still think? And, and so, but I knew in that moment, even as a high schooler, that that wasn't right. I knew that that just didn't sit well for me. And so I just kept looking for answers. And around that time, a good friend of mine had very severe Crohn's disease and was seeing a naturopathic doctor. And I didn't even know what that was, but I saw her just become so much more vibrant and get her health back. And so I went and saw this doctor for myself and and so I said, I would really love for my skin to be better. You know, my digestive tract at that time, I also had a thyroid problem, which I know you do a lot of work with thyroid. And so did you have hypothyroidism at the time? I had hypothyroidism. I was 30 pounds heavier. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was uh, cold. I was tired. I remember going to the prom feeling very bloated and overweight and just not very happy with life. And, and so this naturopathic doctor, she didn't even treat my skin directly. She treated me from the inside out. And it's amazing how my skin cleared up without doing anything topically for my skin. She did a whole gut overhaul, you know, repaired my digestive system, helped to clean up my diet, um, you know, helped turn around certain nutrient deficiencies. And I just knew that this is something I, I wanted to, to learn more about. And that's why I decided to become a naturopathic doctor. That's amazing. And so tell us then, so, you know, the acne, the, the bloating, the hypothyroidism, was that naturally resolved? A lot of times people can naturally, you know, correct the underlying deficiencies and then get things back in order. Or did you have to go on thyroid hormone replacement? Well, at that time I was on a high dose of Synthroid and she was able to get me off of that using some supplements. And as I went forward into my career in naturopathic school, it was extremely stressful that we always joke and say, there's nothing naturopathic about naturopathic medical school. Right. <laughs> so um, I did it at some point have to go back on it, but it was a much lower dose and I was able to go on the natural desiccated thyroid. And for me, it's genetic. My mom, my grandma have it, but it's very, very common in my family. So, but it's fortunately I've been able to prevent it from becoming autoimmune. And so I just need a little bit of support, but it's very well managed. Nice. So you still currently take a little bit of desiccated? I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is such an optimal uh, treatment. So what, what was changed? I mean, obviously restoring your gut health, I'm assuming they introduced some probiotics were there some foods that you eliminated? You know, I mean, what, what was the elimination process for you personally for the acne and all of the yeah. hormonal disruptions? I had, a, I had a raging gluten sensitivity and didn't even know what gluten was back then. So she got me off of that, got me off of dairy. Those were the two things that helped by far the most. And to this day, I've been gluten-free for probably almost 10 years. And don't miss it at all because it just how much it helps me. So doing that, we also did some testing to see that I, I did have leaky gut at the time. I had no idea what that was. And this was way before anyone was talking about leaky gut. You know, this is like maybe 15, I don't know, maybe 20, almost 20 years ago. Very progressive. Very much so. And she's actually still my doctor to this day. So, um, 
so yeah, and then we, we looked into that and we just did a lot of healing. We added in some digestive enzymes. We um, did some antimicrobials. We used some demulcent herbs. These are herbs that provide kind of a gelatinous type of texture in the gut. So they're very soothing, very healing for the tissues. Um, and and it, it took a while. She said, this is going to be, you know, three to six month process. And it, it really took about that amount of time, which is very important to keep that in mind is that there's no, it's not a quick fix, right? It's like, you got to slowly but surely work with the body and restoring that health. But it was, it was an amazing uh, result for me. Yeah. And you know, I tell everyone and have said on the podcast before, especially when it comes to being severely hypothyroid and going from that to great, whether it's naturally or whether you have to use thyroid hormone, but you know, six months to a year for the full elimination of symptoms is really not a long time in the grand scheme of someone's (laughs) life. It's really not. (laughs) Yep. It's really not. It's just a little little window of time in the grand scheme of your life. And it just becomes a memory and, you know, and I've, I haven't looked back, but, and, and, you know, so things were great for a while. And as I went to school, you know, I started to backslide a little bit because of the role of stress. And that's a big area that I work on with my patients is managing stress and also starting my, my naturopathic practice. I mean, there were times I, you know, was pulling an all nighter at the clinic because we didn't have staff in the very beginning. And we're actually three years into the practice and it's thriving. It's going amazing. I can't believe how fast it's, it's, you know, it's become a, something that's very supportive for me now, but in the beginning it was rough and um, I definitely noticed a dip in my health. So stress is real. Oh yeah, absolutely. And throws off so many things. And I really like how you, and we're going to get into some of those things you address, you know, in, and this little free guide, wired, but tired. I really like that you, I mean, you make the point, a lot of people do this. They get up, they turn on the TV, they rush the rush, go, 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 go. And they're just starting in fight or flight. And they're just going to continue that cortisol output throughout the day. If that's the angle you're starting at. And what I really like what you say, which is very important, I do it myself and I feel it's such a great exercise is the daily gratitude. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. We are in a kind of an interesting time of history where it's very easy to look at all of the stressors around us and just get caught up in the kind of the rigmarole of our day and, and bills and, you know, all the news and everything coming at us. And we're working more than we've ever worked before. And so if you don't put boundaries in place and really develop a practice, it can, it's very easy to get sucked into that downward <laughs> you know, spiral of negativity and really darkness, I see it as, you know. So I think that keeping those practices that are a regular routine and a habit are absolutely essential. And gratitude is one of the most powerful ways to shift into a space of positivity. And we know gratitude increases serotonin. Making a gratitude list does that. So it just can make you happier without using a drug, without having to do anything else by shifting your perspective. Yeah. And even I would say to the people out there, like, you know, they'd say, well, that's easy for you guys to say, you know, I just got a divorce, I just got this. And you know, even amidst stressful times, there's still something you can find to be grateful for. And if that's your arms and your legs, yes. or that's a house over your head, there's there's something everybody can find three things twice a day, right? Morning and night to sit down and really, and not just go, great, I'm glad I have my eyes, but really think about that for a minute, yes. right? Get into that feeling of feeling so grateful you have your eyes. I mean, if I really sat here and thought about it, I would probably be moved to tears. Yes. If I, if I really spend time in gratitude on that. And that's 
kind of what I try to impress upon people too. Not the throwaway gratitude, but the really sit there and mull it over and really feel those feelings because when they're generated, it starts a day, right? Different angle. Yeah. And it does, it starts a process in your brain that once you think of something you're grateful for, you think of other things and it creates this positive snowball effect and, um, and it becomes a habit and, and you'll find that if there's really one thing any, anyone takes from this podcast, if you could just take away being in a space of gratitude, your life will never be the same. I agree. I agree. Let's talk about, um, I mean, obviously, males and females are all the same, but you know, we, we focus, um, we haven't focused too much on female hormones on our podcast. I'd love to chat about, you know, nutrient deficiencies and how they affect hormones. I mean, we, we know stress and selenium deficiencies and iron deficiencies are, are related to, you know, thyroid and that connection. But what about other aspects? Because for example, I mean, I had, horrific estrogen dominance, mm-hmm. um, which was created in a hypothyroid state. And then once I got out of the hypothyroid state, I still had to do some extra work to rid myself of that. Um, I had excess fibrinogen and some other things causing fibrocystic breasts, painful. And now it's all gone. It took literally three months of uh, just doing a little bit of life change and some supplements to get me back where literally I have no symptoms of that anymore. I'm sure you see a lot of that. Can we talk a little bit about estrogen dominance? Like, how does this happen? Like, why do we get thrown off? I mean, assuming there's not some disease state going on, I mean, there's some disease state, but let's say it's not something like you have Lyme's disease or you have hypothyroidism. What can throw off hormones? I mean, tell us, because it's in the food we eat. It's, it's all around us. And I know you've got some great suggestions on how, you know, women can avoid that. Yeah. We're, we're definitely in a, in an environment right now, unfortunately, that is, is not as is clean as it once was. And these different chemicals that we know of in our environment are known to be estrogenic. So I think from an estrogen dominance perspective, this is the biggest factor that's affecting us are the chemicals, the pesticides, the toxins, and especially the plastics that are in our environment. Um, when you figured, when you figured this out for yourself, did you, I'm just curious, were these things, do you think factors in, in you, you know, developing this condition? Were you exposed to plastics? Had you been exposed to these types of things in the environment? Well, you know, I had a non-paleo primal crappy diet there probably for a while. (laughs) And I also was doing the whole chronic cardio, uh, you know, exhausting adrenals, not in, in low fat, low carb, you know, bad program, which I believe spawned the hypothyroidism. It doesn't run in my family at all. Mm-hmm. Um, had I known what I know now, I would have gone back in time and, and you know, followed the, the, the protocols that I offer in my book. But yeah, I also then later on, even though I resolved my thyroid situation, still had some lingering things yeah. that, you know, no amount of thyroid hormone will reverse like the excess fibrinogen. And so I did systemic enzyme therapy and some other things and just really cleaned out as much as I could sugars and dairy and everything just really went full force. And it was amazing. I mean, my breasts, the difference is unbelievable. I I don't even know what to say. I, I, you know, and at some point, I think a lot of women out there are feeling this right now. It's like, this is just the way it is. My hormones are wacky. This is just me. And I'm here to say, no, it's, it's not, it's not right to have horrific PMS for 10 days and painful, naughty, sore breasts, right? That's not a state of balance. So how does, you know, what are some symptoms that people can go, maybe I need to do a detox and clean up my life here? Well, symptoms of, of an estrogen dominance type of situation would, would, would warrant something like a detox and doing a whole kind of hormonal overhaul. Um, but those symptoms would be if you have difficult 
menstrual cycles, if you're finding that you tend to have pretty bad cramps or you feel quite bloated or breast tenderness before your, your period, um, if you have you know irregularities of your menstrual cycle, and a lot of this, is, as you know, relates to thyroid as well, um, as well as not, not only estrogen dominance, but a progesterone deficiency. So it's important to, you know, to, to understand that if you have an estrogen dominant type of picture, which look like those symptoms, it could either be you have too much estrogen or it could be that you don't have enough progesterone and it can show up as similar symptoms. So we know that progesterone starts to drop about mid thirties. And I think it can happen a lot sooner depending on stress, depending on some of these environmental exposures that we've been talking about. And so really optimizing that balance between the estrogen and the progesterone is, is really key. And is that by supplying like some progesterone cream at the second half of the month, or are there other ways naturally, obviously to do this first before uh, you know, putting some bioidentical hormones into your life. Right. I love that you mentioned that because I do that at the very last step. If, if we need to do the cream, if we need to do maybe some oral supplementation, we will, but it's about getting to the root cause. That's what's so beautiful about naturopathic medicine is why is your, is your progesterone low? And nine times out of 10, it's because of this stress response. So it's about letting, you know, the body develop more of a parasympathetic tone, just creating more of that rest and digest, that relaxation type of tone that we're just so not used to having in our, in our lives now. And that is going to allow the body to, to bounce back and produce more of its progesterone and also helping to detox and eliminate some of these excess estrogens. So really like the two takeaways for estrogen dominant type of picture is helping to um, increase more parasympathetic tone, which is more of the relaxation type of techniques, whatever that looks like for you. If it's really working on your sleep, we, we have a major sleep deficiency in our culture. So that is key you know, employing more stress reduction techniques. So for myself personally, I've started adding in walking. I walk at least twice a day in the morning when I wake up and at lunchtime, which is so therapeutic when I'm at work and seeing patients and it's crazy and it's busy. I get out of the office. I walk for at least half hour every day and it is like the most magical thing. It seems so basic, but it is so amazing to help bring that relaxation. So Whatever that looks like for you, it could be yoga, it could be meditation, but having it a daily practice, daily is key for that. And then the other part is really working on eliminating those excess estrogens. Um, and so that's where the liver detox is so powerful. Right. And tell us like the mechanism by which that happens. So hormones are processed, like they get kind of, the liver gets what, stagnant and, and has what, excess just floating around and you need to flush it out. Can you give a, everyone a picture of why the liver is so important with this? Sure. Yeah. I think of liver detox as there's phase one and phase two liver detoxification. So if you imagine phase one is maybe you go around your house and you collect all the trash from all the different trash cans and you put it on your corner. That's phase one. So it's collecting all the trash. And then phase two is the trash man coming and actually taking it away. So for a lot of women, it could be that phase one works properly, but phase two does not, or it could be the opposite. So there's actually specific ways to test that. For, for my female patients, I will do a, a, urine, a urinary hormone test. I'm able to see the phase one and phase two and see how those are working. And that's really essential because if you have too much overload of certain types of estrogens, there's more of an increased risk of um, certain cancers, certain autoimmune diseases, and also those symptoms we mentioned earlier. And so supporting both are, are really essential. Um, in the phase one, this is where your body breaks down the different types of estrogens. So the two, four, 16 hydroxyestrogens. 2-hydroxy is the good one. So this is the one that prevents cancer. 
the four and the 16 are not so good. And those we can test. And it's so important that we do because you can have a woman who doesn't really have, you know, maybe has symptoms, maybe doesn't, but there could be imbalances that are setting her up for different conditions down the line. So I think it's really essential to look at that. And then phase two is where we see like glucuronidation, sulfation, we see um, methylation. And so those are the phase two ones. You might've talked about methylation on the show before, but um, that's essential for a lot of different things. That's a whole nother topic is, is methylation, but um, that's, that's kind of how the liver works. And so a lot of detox programs will support part of liver detox and they don't really eliminate it all. And so that's why I'm really picky about detox programs. You know, when patients come in, Hey, what do you think about this liver flush or this gallbladder flush where they're, you know, on the toilet for days on end and I look at it, it's like, ah, this is probably not doing a whole lot, you know, real good. So that's interesting. So with like the, the detox, do you have like a, it's a special formula. Like what's the protocol? Is it like a list of foods plus some supplements to yes. go through this? Can you give us a little rundown of what that might look like for someone who's sure. feeling like they need that or might be inapplicable, you know? Absolutely. So the targeted detox I created, it, it supports both, both phase one and phase two. So phase one, some of the key nutrients that are included are something called DEM, which stands for methane. Um, this is a constituent from the broccoli family. But unfortunately, to get it in broccoli, you need to eat pounds and pounds of broccoli, which probably would cause a lot of bloating and gas and not feel so good. So you can get it in an extract, and it's really effective. Um, phase two supports more things like um, glutathione. So glutathione is a very strong and potent antioxidant. It is the most potent antioxidant in the body. And I think of it as kind of like the quarterback of your antioxidant team. Without it, you just don't detox very well. And so it helps to support that as well. Yeah, and a lot of people with untreated or mismanaged Hashimoto's or other autoimmune disorders are often extremely low in glutathione. And um, that's usually something that's seen across the board there as well. So really important. Absolutely. It's um, And also it's, it's really a key anti-aging nutrient too. We know that people who are lower in glutathione or SOD or catalase, some of these um, antioxidants tend to gray faster. Their hair gets gray faster. They, they age faster. So it's a big part of your you know, natural kind of anti-aging system as well. What about, um, so, I mean, we can talk about methylation for, for a minute here. We haven't touched on it too much on the show. We write about it, the MTHFR gene, right? So if you, so there's the various mutations of that and methylation are the pathways by which we actually create antioxidants, right? Such as glutathione. Can you explain like how something might get screwed up there and, and why it's important for people to understand that because certain supplements are applicable to certain people who've got certain genetic mutations. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's an easy test to do. It's just a blood test that shows if you have any defects of these particular genes. And so it's, I think it's like 40 bucks to get this run. So it's really, really a cheap um, test to do. And, and so, you know, I think of the genetics as the cards you're dealt. These are the genes you get and your lifestyle determines how you play your cards, right? So it's not like the genes you get, if they're bad, you're screwed and that's it. You can turn them on or off or ignite them or not ignite them. Yeah. Yes. And that's where the beautiful field of epigenetics comes into it or nutrigenomics of of being able to affect your genes based on your food. And fortunately, the methylated nutrients that are so essential to get are in food, like dark leafy greens have a good amount of methylfolate. So, you know, I hear a lot of patients like, I've got to take this supplement, that supplement. But if you're eating a really amazing, you know, nutrient rich diet, you're going to be allowing those genes to turn on and off properly. Now, there are some people that don't do well with certain types of, you know, folate or methyl B12 or, you know, sometimes that can kind of aggravate depending on their genes. But for the most part, most people, if you're doing a lot of dark leafy greens, you're eating real food, you're going to be making sure that your genes work properly anyway. So 
that, that I think is the, the biggest takeaway is eat a lot of nutrient rich, rich foods, especially lots of vegetables and your, your genes are going to be, uh, they're going to be acting properly regardless. So, um, it, it drives me crazy when patients come in and they're eating just kind of basic stuff, like maybe some crap in their food and eat and taking a ton of supplements. It's like, okay, let's switch that. <laughs> let's reduce the supplements, eat the real foods and your genes are going to be a lot happier. Right. One of the suggestions that I like that you make, and I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it, but, um, you know, is recommending switching from coffee to green tea. Yeah. You know, and we all, we all love coffee here at the Primal Blueprint. And I mean, I, I enjoy it myself, but when I really look at it, I go, well, it's still a legume and, you know, it doesn't make me feel as good over time yes. than drinking tea does. And it is such an addictive taste and an, a ritual that everybody's really <laughs> into. But, you know, I notice throughout times in my life, I get, I get to a point where I'm like, I can't, I just can't do the coffee anymore. Like my body's telling me to just stop, you know what I mean? So totally. Talk, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause green tea is, is amazing. I, I share that same symptom too. I can do it maybe once or twice a week. And if I do it more frequently than that, I just feel cracked out. And, and regardless of how I do, if it's bulletproof coffee or if I'm adding all kinds of, you know, mushrooms to it or whatever I'm doing, I still notice that. So for me, it's more of, I think it's a, more of a nervous system stimulant. It kind of promotes more of that sympathetic system and that I don't need any more of because I can do that very well on my own. So, um, so yeah. And so for, for female hormones, especially, I think men handle coffee a little better than women in my experience with my practice. I just see that. I think that the, the you know, coffee can, it can actually can inhibit the thyroid to an extent. It can, um, disrupt hormones as well. It can push more of that sympathetic kind of pathway. So that fight or flight response. And so I love the idea of swapping it out for green tea Green tea is, is quite high in antioxidants. Um, it has theanine, which is actually calming, as well as EGCG, which is a strong antioxidant. And it has a little bit of caffeine. The caffeine is actually attached to the antioxidants. So if you decaffeinate it, you don't get as much of the antioxidants. You do, you know, kind of, you're able to, to get a little bit of that caffeine and it's it's still health promoting. Um, we also know that, that green tea can increase something called sex hormone binding globulin. I think of this as a, a taxi cab that helps to kind of shuttle your hormones around or like a sponge that absorbs your hormones. And if you have those excess estrogens, then increasing sex hormone binding globulin is a great thing. So it can be very anti-cancer from that perspective. Interesting. You mentioned DIM or DIM earlier, the supplement. Now I've heard that used with like a lot of people who have breast cancer. And, and is that because, you know, can you talk about the estrogenic components there with breast cancer and why that's applicable? Because I just think that's sort of an interesting thing to know. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. So, so going back to phase one liver detox, you have the two, four and 16 hydroxy estrogens or estrone. And the two estrone is a good form of estrogen. The four and the 16 are, are not good. And those are associated with breast cancer. So what DIM does is it helps your body to convert those estrogens to the two form. So that creates more of a healthy cancer preventative type of hormone picture. Um, you don't need a lot, about one to 300 milligrams of DIM. And of course, run this past your doctor. I'm not treating you guys on the air. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it helps to convert that into a more cancer protective estrogen. Now, it's great to eat the broccoli family, a lot of it in your diet, whether that's broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, all of these are, are going to be very helpful for that. But if you do think you have this estrogen dominant type of picture, then maybe supplementing would be a good idea for that reason. What are, um, in the past, in your practice in the past three years, what are some 
really prevalent themes you're seeing, like where, you know, another one comes in, you're like, oh my gosh, another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are some of those things that you're seeing? That's a great question. Let me think about that. Um, tons of thyroid, <laughs> as, as I know you love, you love writing about. Yeah, um, and yeah. I'm excited. I want to get your book so I can read more on that. But yeah, so thyroid is huge. Autoimmunity is so much more common. Um, I've just started running full blood work for my patients that includes a ton of different autoimmune markers. It just happens to come with the panel. And I, I wasn't really asking for it specifically, but it just happened to come with this package of labs that they were getting. And I'm seeing so much more of it than I expected. So I think autoimmunity is a real big one. That does happen to occur more in women. So we know that there is a connection with hormones and autoimmunity. Uh, I think we're all still kind of learning how this plays out and why this is the case. Let's talk about autoimmunity and grains because, you know, grains is such a trigger of autoimmunity, not only just Hashimoto's, but rheumatoid arthritis and some other things. I mean, have you seen that with patients who are, you know, were on a grain train and then eliminated that and the autoimmunity getting better? Because we see a lot of that. And it's amazing how just one dumb food component in <laughs> someone's life can ruin their lives. I do see that. I, but at, at one point, you know, at some point down the line, I'm able to allow the patients to add some of them back in and not have issues. So I think it depends on how sick the patient is, how imbalanced their immune system is, because all autoimmunity starts in the gut. So everything we can do to remove the inflammation and allow the digestive system to restore its function is going to help this autoimmunity and kind of slow this downward, you know, cascade. And so I use it therapeutically and I am finding that at some point we're able to add more of those foods back in and it's not causing an issue, but it takes some time to get to that point. So, but, but connected to autoimmunity and we see a lot of other things that are, that are associated with that. I see a lot of that being connected to Epstein-Barr virus. Absolutely. That happened to me. Really? Yeah. That I still had some residual and I hadn't had mono since I was very young, but there was stuff that had showed up there and that actually can cause brain fog yes. and, and mimic and candida as well and mimic symptoms of hypothyroidism or low iron, some of these other things. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can get so many things in order or you can take thyroid hormone, but that will not resolve it unless you have also corrected these other things. Yes. And it's really important because there are patients who, like at least with the thyroid, will you know the doctors like your thyroid's fine, or they keep trying to take more medication, and it, mm -hmm. it, it it's never going to do the job, and then they might remain what they think is hypothyroid, but the brain fog is really coming from candida or this Epstein Barr. So I would love you to talk about that. How how do you keep that at bay? Mm -hmm. This is where because here's the thing: some kids get mono, some kids don't. Why is that? You know. It, it really comes down to that biochemical individuality. It comes down to the vitality of the, the individual. And that's where really supporting a strong immune response is going to be very protective and preventative for getting something like that. So it's not about going in guns blazing and attacking all these pathogens, whether it's a virus or it's a parasite or it's candida or, you know, or bacteria, right? There could be so many things. And I've seen patients have all these things at one time. Yeah, yeah. But it's not about that. It's about supporting the, the host, supporting the, the individual and and that's where the gut health is key because that's the majority of the immune system. So just to interrupt here on the Epstein-Barr. So for example, like someone gets mono at some point in their life, then it what like remains in the system almost like herpes or something mm -hmm. like that you get and it's there and it can either be activated and show itself or not. And so then is it that things in your life, lifestyle and diet is then activating this sort of dormant thing you've had around and then it sort of shows up exactly. and causes problems. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you keep that at bay? That's where the lifestyle stuff comes into it. You got to, you know, your sleep, that's number one. 
because we know that sleep is one of the most immune boosting things you can do, ideally before 10 p.m. if you can get to bed. That's going to help the release of growth hormone, melatonin, all these we know are incredibly um, potent and boosting for the immune system. So that is so key. For, for most of my patients who have immune issues, they're not sleeping well. So that's the first thing I, I have them work on. And number two, working on your diet. So keeping some of those inflammatory foods out. I've had patients where sugar triggers their Epstein-Barr. Oh, I believe that that was my case for me, for sure. And candida together was a nightmare. And once I starved myself of that, completely starved the host, yeah. right, of what it, you know, taking away the drug at once. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment I did that with um, another suggestion I got from Dr. Forsman, who's the doctor on my book, was to switch up my probiotics every month Yes, for a while there. And, you know, that's something I didn't think about. I'd been taking the same probiotics for a while. And these things can sort of overcome and get used to, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that idea. And then I also did a little bit of oregano oil mm-hmm. just one week out of every month, you know. And literally, I, I the brain cleared up almost, I mean, it was so quick, so quick. Mm. The the results were so quick after I started this. I mean, within within a month, I felt all of the symptoms of that Epstein-Barr and Candida go away. Like, I was pretty clear in my mind that I had zapped it or was really zapping it effectively. Mm. And I still switch my probiotics every month right now. But it's amazing the difference in my brain. That's amazing. That happened. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm here to say like, it really works if you starve yourself of it. But people with former sugar addictions and stuff, you have candida and things like your body. It's like not you craving it. You're there's something in there that's like, you know, an addict being, yeah. like, give me the sugar and mm-hmm. you have to just cut it off and go cold turkey. So yeah, sugar's huge. And how this relates to hormones too. I mean, going back to our topic, because we could go on a million tangents, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go over a hormone panel with a patient. I'll say, well, why did it get like this? And then I point at, okay, well, look at your stool panel. You know, you have raging candida and look at this blood test. You have Epstein-Barr virus. Don't you think that's going to wreak havoc on your hormones? So it's, it's very much connected. The body doesn't give a crap of making sex hormones if it's trying to survive from a viral infection and a parasite and a bacteria, you know? And actually the primal perspective is, is that it probably won't because it's like this person's in danger. They've got yep. trouble going on and they shouldn't procreate right now. So let's kind of t- take it down. Yes. <laughs> you know? Our bodies are so smart. Mm-hmm. They are. What about um, the, the stress thing you mentioned earlier is really important in all of this. Um, one of the things you talk about and you, or you mention on your website is, you know, can you can you mention about how lack of sleep really contributes to Graylin? Because people don't think sleep is that important. They don't prioritize it. And and then they keep going and they keep going. And, you know, I have friends who can't sleep. And then I'm like, well, are you even making an effort? You know, why why are you talking to me at 10 o'clock and I walk into the store? You should be home winding down and, and making an effort to go to bed um, versus stay up all night and wait till you just can't crash. So and this really affects appetite and affects weight loss. So I really want to impart that. If you could discuss that a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah. So for any of you ladies listening, if you want to if you want to lose fat and if you want to have a good sex drive, go to sleep more. <laughs> I mean, really create a sleep sanctuary, fall in love with sleep. And I love that this is becoming a bit of a revolution now. I know that Ariana Huffington, she's, you know, released her book, Sleep Revolution. And, you know, my buddy, Sean Stevenson with Sleep Smarter. I love that this is becoming more of a focus now. There's not a better time for this than now. And so I recommend getting to bed by 10, as I mentioned. Keep electronics out of your room. Let your room be a little on the cooler side. We know that in about 60 to 68 degrees is what the ideal temperature is for for getting real good quality sleep. 
and and don't drink any caffeine past I recommend noon, but you know the very latest two p.m. Caffeine has a half life of at least eight hours, but it can be up to twenty four hours for some people. So it's still going to be in your system. And so you know if you're having a harder time sleeping, you know employ some of those different techniques, and that should make a difference. I love magnesium at bedtime; that's very helpful. You know, at least four hundred milligrams for most women, they feel best. I love phosphatidylserine. This is a great way to start to wind down at bedtime. But if you're not getting good quality sleep, number one, your immune system isn't going to be as strong. Number two, you're not going to heal as well. You know, being awake during the day, that's a very um, catabolic state. It's a very break, you know, tissue breakdown kind of state is that wear and tear of just, you know, going through your day. And so sleep is that time that's very anabolic or very tissue building. This is where you rest and repair. So you need to balance the two out very, you know, it's very important to do that. And also from, from the issue of fat burning, as you mentioned, or, or ghrelin, ghrelin makes you hungry. So if you miss good quality sleep, the next day you're more like a type two diabetic. We know that in the research. And so of course you're going to wake up and want something sugary because you need something to kind of, you know, bounce you back or you want some coffee. And, and so those cravings happen naturally because you need that quick energy, but the key is, is getting that good sleep. So you don't have so much of those cravings. Plus your adrenal system is key when it comes to burning fat. Also incredibly important when it comes to your hormones. And one of the main treatments for that is getting the good quality sleep. So it is absolutely essential. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, (laughs) I want to jump back to gut health really quick because a lot of like, I've known people one of the indicators for me, if someone's telling me is, and, and was for me in the past, is if you're having gas often. Now, people just think like that's a normal subset of eating and living. Yeah. And it's not. It's a red flag. Mm-hmm. And once you heal your gut, as I'm sure you have, you realize that that's not normal. Yeah. You know, so what are some signs out there that people can go, man, you really need to assess my gut health, aside from obviously, you know, thyroid or any other disease state that one might be in, even just people that I know who, you know, have gas and it's such a red flag and it means something's not right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I used to, I used to ask when I first started practicing patients, um, you know, do you have bowel moments regularly? And they'd say, yes. And I was like, okay. Um, and then as I started to get more into practice, I would now say, how often do you have a bowel movement? Because some people think having a bowel movement once or twice a week is, is they have normal bowel movements, you know? Um, and so going daily, that's, that's a good sign that your digestion is, is working well. Ideally, maybe more than once a day. If you can go twice a day, that's probably a good sign it's moving well. So constipation is a key that something's off. Uh, or diarrhea, if you find that your stools are on the loose side, or when you wipe, you're having to do a lot of wipage. You know, ideally, it should be kind of a clean break where you don't need to wipe too much. That's a good sign, you know, good amount of fiber and, you know, good hydration and everything. Um, if you have significant bloating, if you feel like you have a little food baby, you know, throughout the day, or you feel like maybe throughout the day your bloating gets worse, that could be a sign of um, bacteria, maybe SIBO. And heartburn would be another clue if you get some acid reflux or you get real burpy after your meals or feel bloated after you eat. Those would be some other clues or abdominal pain. Maybe you get some abdominal cramping, you know, just kind of tender tummy. And even it could be more than just digestive stuff. I think acne is very related to the digestive tract. Brain fog is very related to the, to the digestive, digestive tract. And chronic pain, if you find you're just kind of uncomfortable, maybe joint pain, maybe your shoulders hurt, maybe your knees hurt. This is all related to the inflammation in your body and most of which comes from the gut. Right. Yeah. Really, really important for people to look into. Um Before we go, I just want to ask you about one other hormone that's, I see it a lot. I know it's our modern lifestyle. I know it's stress and lack of sleep um, and some of its age, but you know, DHEA, 
is so low in so many people. And I see it low in like really young people. Um, and that's just such a great anti-aging hormone, a precursor to all of our other hormones. I'm sure it's something that you test all the time. Whether to supplement or not supplement is 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 probably obviously individual. I did supplement. I had low DHEA twice, probably related to two bouts of hypothyroidism over 10 years. And then I got my levels back up. And it is a different way of life and a different story when you do get your DHEA levels back up. Are you seeing a lot of that in your practice too, where people have depleted levels of DHEA? Or can you speak about that particularly? Because I feel that's something people aren't looking into and they should. Yeah, most people who come to see me have low levels, male or female, and even all age ranges. It's it's more common in, in you know the elderly because it does naturally go down with age, but it is an anti-aging nutrient. So a lot of patients will do it, you know, as an anti-aging type of treatment. But I mean, this all again, I mean, it goes back to the stress. It goes back to the lack of sleep. It's, it's our go, go, go life. And DHEA is made by your adrenal glands. And so if it's low, that's a clue. Your adrenal glands need some love. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And it, it has a very strong connection with your other hormones. As you mentioned, helps to make, you know, your estrogen, your, your testosterone. Um, DHEA is essential for brain health, for bone health, for insulin sensitivity, um, it does, it does a lot. So, so yeah, I think first and foremost, if you find you have low DHEA, you got to work on, on getting that stress down, you know, whether that, like, like I said, the walking yoga, sleeping, and number one thing for helping to boost DHEA is sleep. Um, really essential stuff. It's just a clue. It's a clue that, that these things are off in the body. Right. And tell us a little bit about, before we go, tell us about your practice in San Diego. You've got several naturopathic doctors there aside from yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your work and, and how we can get a hold of you. Sure. Or do, do you actually work with people out of state at all? Or do people have to come in in person initially and then you'd work with them out of state? Or do you only do you know, local. Great question. So I've, so my, my clinic is shine natural medicine that's shine natural medicine.com. And I work with patients, patients locally in San Diego and all over the country. So there's a couple ways to work with me. If you want to work with me as basically a consultant where I'm kind of a health coach, I give some nutritional counseling, things like that, then that would be something we could do over the phone. If you wanted to work more in terms of a doctor patient relationship, I do need to see you once in person. And so if you are out of state, you can come to sunny San Diego and come and see me. And then we can do follow-ups over the phone and that's totally fine. Or we can just see you in person if you're locally in San Diego. Um, my focus is all the things we're talking about, thyroid, autoimmune, hormones, digestive, you know, and uh, treating this more from a holistic perspective. I love spending a lot of time with patients. I love my practice because I can give people such great care. Right. And doctors can do that. You have an HMO or even a PPO and any standard doctor who's a regular MD is going to give you 15 minutes and that's really all they're dictated and allowed to. But right. if you go to a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor, anyone who's gone above and beyond and is outside the realms of 100% Western medicine, you get personalized attention. And it's really, really important. How can a doctor possibly know you or even understand what to test if they have spent only 10 minutes? I know. It's so common where we'll be half hour, 45 minutes into the conversation. A patient says, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you one thing. They tell me what it is and it changes the whole course of the, of the appointment because we're complicated people. We have a big health story. We have a big life story. And there's a lot of things that have happened and a lot of factors that have affected things. So it's really essential to have that time with patients. So I try to be the doctor I wish I had. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that you guys are not 
you know, every doctor out there is pretty much a prescriptionist. If there's not a prescription for it, you're not going to get any other advice usually. And most doctors don't even know about nutrition or know that you can even do anything about immunity. Exactly. And so, you know, to have someone like you who's going to not only, you know, spend the time, but look at the root cause. Like, what's Mm -hmm. causing the problem in the first place? I wish, and I put that in my book, I wish my doctor had asked that question. I wish I had (laughs) asked that question. I wish I had delved deeper instead of someone go, ah, your thyroid's fine, just, you know, eat less and work out more. And it was not fine, you know, and a lot of patients get that. And so, gosh, if I could go back in time, you know, I would have asked those questions too. Like, well, Mm -hmm. why is this even happening to me when I've never had issues in my life? Like all of a sudden it shows up. Yes. That's, that's not a recipe for patching it up. That's a recipe for getting to the the bottom of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think if something doesn't jive with you, with your doc, you keep looking, you keep looking for answers and, you know, and, and it's, uh, and, and the beauty of naturopathic medicine is we can prescribe medications if we need to, you know, I'm not anti-medication, but very rarely are they needed, but they're nice to have as an option if they are needed. So, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I always see it as, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to share this with your, with the listeners. And, and it's all about just spreading this awareness that there are other options out there. And, and the thing is too, is all of you listening, you know, your body better than anyone, including myself, you know, it better than I do, even though I, I know a lot about the body. If you have a feeling that something's off, look into it and trust that. And be your own advocate with your doctor. Like just, just coming off a doctor's appointment, have them go, Oh, the doctor said my, everything was fine. Well, wait, what? Like, just because they have an MD, you look at the blood work, you get copies, you have to do your own part as a patient to understand what your situation is, do the research, you might be help. I mean, even most doctors like you would suggest that participate in your own health. Don't just expect someone to tell you what to do and walk away. Learn about it, you know, learn about it. 100% agree. Yeah. And if you want to learn more, I'm sure you guys have a lot more episodes on your podcast. You can listen also to my podcast, Dr. Low Radio. I think we have 180 something shows and there's so much information you can learn about your body and you know that's the beauty of this uh, technology era is this you have information right at your fingertips yeah and for free which is great and so any anyone who wants to learn more there's there's a couple different websites uh one is drlaurennoel.com and you can get your free wired but tired little pdf or you can also really learn more about working with her in her practice at shinenaturalmedicine.com thank you so much dr Lo. i really appreciate you coming on the show so appreciate it thank you so much and uh, be well all you guys look forward to uh talking to you guys more are you someone who appreciates a fast casual dining experience is it important that the taste of your food and the freshness of the ingredients take center stage well bringing that experience to a table near you is the mission of the hottest new franchise concept in north america primal kitchen restaurants if you want to learn more about this one-of-a-kind franchising opportunity go to primalkitchenrestaurants.com that's primalkitchenrestaurants.com 